welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, do you know what we were talking about a year ago on this podcast this week? About how right I was about Riverheads getting ready to win another state championship? Or... <laughs> we, we were talking about week two of the high school football season. It's just how it's crazy. already over. <laughs> it's already good. It's, it's, I mean, hey, I'm coming out of week one in that spring season. Riverheads have just come off a closer game against Haswell at home. So, uh, you know, it, it, I don't think it had doubt in our eyes, but we were talking about probably the closest game Riverheads has played in, in the last, uh, well, it was the second closest because they ended up playing draft closer. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what we were talking about a year ago. So I think forever in our minds, we'll always have that spring of 21 that's just the oddball football. Hopefully, hopefully that's the only oddball one we have. But we do have plenty of high school basketball tournament stuff happening at their normal times now. And we had three region championship games in the area, which was good. Uh, it just none of them turned out uh, in our favor. And we had some overtimes. <laughs> yeah. The team, two, two one seeds. We have the Gap Boys, who are one seed. They went to a double overtime game against Alta Vista. And I mean, they battled and it, but both teams, I mean, they, they both teams just went cold in overtime, no scoring in overtime uh, next to no scoring. Uh, each team only scored a bucket in the first overtime. And then in the second overtime, uh, Alta Vista scored four and gap scored three. So it's, and these weren't one minute overtimes or anything. These are five minute overtimes. It's just everybody, I guess, clinched up. And uh, the problem was the gap was winning 42, 35 with like three minutes to go. And then they began their, seizing up and uh, Alta Vista just seized up to touch less is about all it was. They scored a lot late and then seized up in overtime, but a great run there for that region championship, but they still get to go to the state playoffs. They play Tuesday against Lancaster. And I think this is the first of many of these that you're going to wish you would have won that region. I think not only for our teams, not, and even some other teams close to local, you're just going to really regret not winning that region because you're just going to face these, a region a teams that are that are you know look at lancaster one loss on the season and lancaster's a team that we've sent local teams we've sent our riverheads team down that way to play them and riverheads more times than not have not come out successful against them so gap has their hands full yeah D- lancaster's gonna probably win that game pretty comfortably lancaster's pretty good i know they're they're already uh thinking deep run potential state championship yeah. So and that's that, only three more games, and they're and so mm-hmm. and so. And I'm not saying Buffalo Gap can't win that game. I mean, we saw some upsets this week in high school basketball, but sure. Buffalo Gap was one of those teams that got upset, and so it, it's hard. I'm not going to pick them going and upsetting a favorite to win a state title in Class One after I just watched them lose in double overtime to another it, a Alta Vista team that's not bad, but Alta Vista is not winning a state championship. So no, I. It's hard for me to they've, they've had their time. envision they've, they've Gap. Yeah, it's hard for me to envision Gap now. doing that. Yeah. So, and if they beat Lancaster, that's that's the kind of team it's going to take to beat Lancaster. Is a team that can win a state championship. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I have my hope, uh, just like mm-hmm. I always do. That's what I bring to this podcast is the hope for the locals to win. Uh, but you know, Bowers has had a great season leading that team, but also guys like Hewitt and Ingram stepping up, like, and they had good nights the other night. So uh, they they had what they needed to win that game. They just didn't get the bucket at the right time. And really in regulation was where you would have liked to seen it. Um, we'll come back to the other one seed. We'll stay with Buffalo gap because the night before 
the girls hosted a region championship out there and they made a little run to do that. They had to go to Riverheads to win, to set that, uh, to set that opportunity up. And then they won the game and got to the region championship, but then they fall to um, in the region championship, they fall to Rappahannock County and, and, you know, gap shooting just went cold where it kind of kicked in. I think in the second half of that Riverheads game, carried them through the semifinal against Alta Vista it went cold against Rappahannock County and, and Rappahannock County kind of won that one going away, but that sets up Buffalo gap playing a West point team that only has two losses on the season and they got to go there. Yeah. It's going to be another tough game. Um, and that's, yeah. that's the problem for these Buffalo gap teams that lost in region title games in boys and girls is now you got to go play the favorite. And that's the, that's why, you know, you're in the dance. You get two teams, which is great. You don't have to win that region championship. But when you don't, you have the tougher path to get to a state championship then. And, and that means going on the road the rest of the games, probably. So, again, like the boys, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but Buffalo Gap's going to have to play probably the best game they've played all year if they're going to beat a team like West Point. Which, hey, West Point fans, this is proof. I don't hate you. <laughs> I, I just told you what was going to happen when – Riverheads was the overwhelming favorite. Here, I think West Point is the overwhelming favorite. I think Buffalo Gap's girls are going to struggle. It, it's an advantage. I mean, Buffalo Gap has to go down there and smell that smell before they walk into the gym. It's going to sure be tough. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, they bring the buffalo, uh, the bison, because that oh, yeah, might even that might equalize things if if those girls stare into that uh, bison's eyes. I mean, I know I'm terrified every time I do it. So. The other region championship game we had, Fort Defiance, they got to host Spotswood. Now, this was another overtime game, and this was a game really either team could have won. Not not saying the other ones weren't, especially that Gap Boys game, but this game, either team could have won. Watching it down the stretch, you could, I mean, it's just these shots that are just in and out, and, and it's shots that you've seen Fort make early in that game. And then Spotswood, similarly, you know, in and out shots, and and just, just both teams kind of playing good basketball, but just – Spotswood comes out on top in overtime, uh, you know, making the free throws down the stretch. That's really what was stood the difference in that game was, you know, Fort got behind there. So then they were fouling, extending the game and then spots was just draining them. And then Fort, you know, went a little bit cold down there in overtime. So uh, Fort's got to travel to Carroll County, uh, a one loss Carroll County team on Friday night. And, um, you know, a lot of people are talking in our area because it's easy to do that. Hey, can we see a Spotswood? Fort Defiance rematch. I you can't look past Carroll County because that's no. a solid program there with another good year that they're having there. And and this is just a, again that spot that you you just wish you could have won that region so you'd have an easier opponent coming to your own gym. Yeah, I will say of the teams uh, of the two Buffalo Gap teams in Fort playing in the state tournament, I do like Fort's chances the best. Me too. But me too because they, but I like their system in this I think, spot. This yes. is what I talk about all season mm-hmm. is the system. Carroll County hasn't seen this team. And even if, if there's film for them to watch, getting out on that court and playing against it is a different thing. And, you know, I watching them, I'm not, it seemed like the intensity of the Stewart's draft teams that I remember Coach Gale bringing was a little bit different than what we're seeing now. We're still seeing line changes and we're still seeing a lot of threes, but it just seemed like I think for Coach Gale using what he has there a little bit, differently in his first year there than what I we saw, you know, five years in at Stewart's draft. And I and I, I imagine we see Ford at that point. Mm-hmm. But against Spotswood, I think Spotswood did a good job to slow the game down and bring it to their own pace as well. I think some of that was Spotswood. And to be fair, I've watched Ford 
a handful of times this year. So I'm not going to say all season it's been like this, but Spotswood did a good job kind of neutralizing the threat of that offense, taking care of the ball fairly well. Um, Carroll County is going to have to do that too, to win this game. And I agree with you. That was a question I was going to come behind here. You know, which team do you think has the best chance to win this weekend? I agree with you. Fort Defiance girls is, you know, they're, they're the one, one regular season, one seed for a reason and in the tournament and came up just short. I give them the best chance to win on the road. I, I do too. Um, but here's the thing, right? The same thing that happened against Spotswood could happen against Carroll County. And if it does, then, sure. I mean, the game could get ugly. If they don't make their threes and they go cold, then that's a bad recipe for a team that relies on that kind of system. And if Carroll County beats the press. So, and I think you're right about we'll see that at Fort get to that level of intensity. We saw at Stewart's draft on the boys' side. I, I think it's just probably, it's just conditioning. that, that The girls in that program aren't used to running that kind of system yet. This sure. is year one. So, a, as the years go on and you have a whole well class. I mean, we're, we're acting like it's Right, not, but you have a no, whole class of girls that are used to yeah. running that constant pace all the time. Then they're going to get used to it. But right now, it's, it's a totally different thing for them, too. They're... Yeah they're playing a little better because they practice it all season long versus other teams who are seeing it maybe for the first time ever. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, I, I like their chances the most, but if I'm going to predict who I think is going to win, I think it is going to be Carroll County. These games all Friday night, I think we got official by the end of the day here. Uh, both those girls games Friday night at seven. I think the boys games at six on Friday night. Uh, I'm sure if you're going to those games, you, you know when and where it is. Uh, but if you're trying to catch it on NFHS, like I will be doing, uh, six and seven. So I, I wish they were all a little more spread out so I could at least watch some of all of them. But uh, I'll flip around. Um, so wrapping up the high school basketball, hopefully we get another week of talking about it. But we will talk about it next week just to, you know, no matter what, we have something to talk about next week. But hopefully we are, we're previewing uh, some more state play. That'd be fun. All right. Um, now, the biggest sports thing that I've talked about all day at work today was Saturday's college basketball. One through six all go down and number nine go down. Seven of the top ten go down. It felt like one of those football Saturdays in the uh, fall there where, you know, four top ten teams lose or something like that. But here was seven of them all going down. And one through six, it was just crazy seeing it come across the line with all of them going down. Then – you look at the better. My, my initial reaction is, man, I wish I had a parlay on the top six to go down. But only two of those teams were upsets or were not upsets. Uh, like all, a lot of them were on the road at ranked teams. Mm -hmm. And in Vegas, the home team was favored against these road higher ranked teams. So it wasn't as big of a parlay. Now, a 16 parlay is still going to bring you some money, but it just wasn't as dramatic as it seems. But the ones that stood out to me, um, of, the, of the six, the, the games that stood out to me are the ones between our Virginia teams. Uh, but the ones of those six that stood out to me, I really watched a lot of that Gonzaga St. Mary's game and St. Mary's got out front and just stayed out front. And I was impressed with what they were able to do. And, uh, cause I know Gonzaga's good. I've watched them enough times this year that I know, you know, this wasn't Gonzaga's just not very good or something. Gonzaga is good. And St. Mary's is playing well too. And that's why they're ranked. That one stood out to me. Um, the Baylor game is another one I watched a lot of, and, and that was a really good game. So those two stood out to me just because I watched them, I guess is the best way to say that. Um, but Baylor's good again. I mean, they won the national championship last year. I think we all forget that. So mm -hmm. out of those teams that lost, those are two teams that I'm saying they're still good. I watched that game. I even watched, it, watched them lose, even not, you know, uh, super close. I just 
you know, I, I'm waiting to see that. I guess Baylor game was close, but the St. Mary's game kind of pulled away. So I, I still think those teams are really good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I watched some of the basketball Saturday after the game I called, which we'll get to in a minute, um, uh, you know, seeing the scores came come through that had already been played and then watching some of the other ones, the Auburn-Tennessee game was one that was on. Uh, and watching that one as close as and tight as it was, it was just a reminder of, man, like you're watching the ACC and there's craziness there, but there are times when you're watching, you're just like, this is, you can tell, like, it's not the same as when I'm watching Gonzaga-St. Mary's or Auburn-Tennessee or Kansas Baylor or something like that, where I'm like, okay, these are all, this is just really good basketball being played between these two teams. And sometimes there's upsets. The ACC, it feels like teams are playing down to their opponents and they're just not very good. And so I thought one of the things that was pretty telling is despite the losses, one and two don't change um, in the, in the top 25 poll and in Gonzaga and Arizona. And I think that's fair. I do think those are probably the two best teams in the country right now. As you said, St. Mary's, I mean, they were really good a few uh, while back and, and people might not remember that, but Gonzaga being as dominant as they have, it's kind of lifted everyone else in that conference. Well, not everyone else, but it's lifted a team like St. Mary's who was that second best team on closer to them. And, and I think that's been great for college basketball. It's great for that West coast conference. Um, yeah. and so I think it is going to be interesting to see what a team like St. Mary's can do in the tournament, uh, where they're going to get seated, who they, what region they get put in and how, th- how they fare in that region. Because I got news for you looking at this, the way college basketball has been played this year. There just is, we, we, we say Gonzaga, I just said Gonzaga and Arizona are probably the two best teams in the country, but it's not by a wide margin. And I'm not shocked no. if they lose in the tournament. I, it's really hard to pick a team and say, this team's definitely going to win the tournament this year. I don't even think there's really three or four teams that you look at and say, yes, these four definitely. I mean, I when I... 10 or 12. I, I mean, you could make a list mm-hmm. of 10 or 12 before I start saying, no, they got no shot. Like, really, like that whole top 10, I'm, I'm giving them a chance. Like, as much mm-hmm. as I don't believe in Auburn, like, they could do it. Like they've Maybe. won tight games this year. I think the SEC has continually gotten better these last few years. It's not just Kentucky playing basketball in that conference now. Like I think Auburn, like I still give them a chance, like a real honest chance. Like I, I would put teams ahead of them, like just like the rankings will have them, just like the seeding will. But I, you know, seeing what Texas Tech did a couple years ago, seeing how everybody kind of has that shot this year, I, I really do think it, it's you get to about ten before you start rolling teams out. Yeah, I don't know. I, I look at Purdue and Providence. Those are two teams in the top ten that I just Providence. don't I don't like. I, Providence is I, I mean, I, I would love it twice. because you know it would be a great story if Providence was able to do it, but and I like their coach, but that is one of the luckiest teams in the country. I mean yeah. I think in Kimpom they might be the luckiest team in the country, number one in the luck rating or whatever. But well, it, it just seems like they are in a dogfight every single game, and it comes down to the very end. And I think eventually in the tournament, that's going to get you. Like, eventually you're going to be on the wrong side of that, and you're going to be out. So I, I do think Providence I don't like. Purdue, I think, is just – look, they're in the Big Ten. It's a very yeah, good conference. Like they're the, year, they're the best team in the Big Ten. No, I don't. And it's because every time I think Purdue – I put my faith in Purdue, they lose. So I, I do think Purdue is – phony i think they're fake i think they're one of those teams that is prime for an upset 
Yeah, we'll see. But the highlight of my day was I was coaching. I had three games on Saturday for Little League Basketball. <laughs> so I got done with that third game uh, in the middle about halftime of the Virginia Tech game. I rush home. I get home. I start watching that game. It's some up and down. But then we start, Virginia Tech starts a great comeback with about a minute to go. And I've given up the game two or three times. I, I mean, it was a good thing I wasn't sending my my uh, uh, prediction <laughs> to mm-hmm. you because I had, you know, we were doing stuff around the house. We had some people coming over, so I was trying to get stuff cleaned up. And there was a couple – I just walked away. Yeah, that'll do it. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I didn't completely walk away from the game, but I'm cleaning a dish instead of, like, focused on it. And then here they are again. So I did watch the last little stretch there, and it was amazing. And it just seems for how often are we not on the right side of that? We're, we're on the wrong side of that, or we come so close and just can't make that last shot. But Maddox gets that late steal, makes that three. He was on – um, the ACC network this morning, this morning, Packer and Durham. And he's, he has his confidence of, yeah, as soon as I shot it, I knew it was in. Mm. I, I like, <laughs> I the did attitude. not share that. I, I like the attitude. It's easy to say after you made it. Um, I, yeah, that, you know, all mine, if they went in, yeah, I thought that was going in. I, I think every shot I shoot is going to go in, but I'm glad he did it. And, uh, he stepped up, Padula stepped up again. Um, we, we had a lot of good performances and we've kind of had more of those down the stretch here. We've had to because, um, Couture, who shot so well at Florida State a few weeks ago, has gone cold since then. Mm-hmm. So we've had to have these other guys kind of step up. And Padula was another guy in that Florida State game that stepped up. He's stayed around, and their defense is better. So I, I like how we're playing right now. I really wish we just wouldn't have dug such a deep hole to where we were going into this tournament as, uh, you know, it would be nice seven seed or something. But, you know, uh, something there to mess, mess around with. And it just seems like we're just going to be left cold again. I'm glad Seth Greenberg's not there yelling about us deserving to be in like it used to be when we didn't make it in on the bubble. But I still just don't think we have enough. No, I think you're right. I I think they're not consistent enough. And uh, the interesting thing about that Miami series is, you know, the game they lost in Blacksburg. They lost on a shot from half court that Miami made at the buzzer. That's how they lost. And and, And so at Miami, they ripped Miami's heart out. Uh, by stealing one, which I mean, you texted me, they had no business winning. And that was my sentiment too, because kind of like you, I, I turned, when we got to, I visited my cousin after the game and we went to a restaurant in Chesterfield and they had it on the TV and it was like seven or eight minutes left in the game when we got there. And I saw the deficit and was like, "Mm, okay. And Virginia tech started to come back a little and then they would fade. And I was like, okay. And I kind of like you, given up for the last time, I thought. And then I just hear this, like, oh, in the restaurant, kind of rise up in the bar area. And I look up, and Miami is throwing inbound passes everywhere but to their own players. And Virginia Tech Which finds a way. Yeah, Virginia Tech <laughs> finds a way to come back. Oh, yeah, there was one of those where Virginia Tech did it. I was like, you idiot. But, yeah, when they stole the last inbound and he shoots, I just screamed, dumbass. And it went in, and I was like, never mind. <laughs> because as soon as he let it go, I was like, idiot. That is not the shot. And then it went in, and I was like, never mind. So uh, I was glad it went in. I was glad Virginia Tech found a way to win that game uh, because it's one they had to have, right? We've talked about – yeah. you and I said on this podcast last week, uh, you got to beat North Carolina or you got to beat Miami. Well, they didn't beat North Carolina, so they did beat Miami. They are on the bubble. They're going to have to have a good ACC tournament. I don't think they will, so I think that's probably what's going to keep them out. But if they do, they'll get in. So, And I don't think a good ACC tournament is winning the ACC tournament. 
but I do think it's probably getting into the semifinals, and I don't know if they're got to play good. on Friday. Yeah, I don't gotta know if they're that Friday good. Night. The sad thing is, in some of those years that we got bumped out of the bubble, we did play on the semifinals. That was the year Hansborough did that mm-hmm. crazy frog walk after he made a big shot, but we beat we got to that game. We almost won that game, but it was in a semifinal game that happened, and we still got bumped out of the tournament. But I don't know. Maybe maybe people like Mike Young better than like Seth Greenberg. I think that's easy to hope for. But uh, well, that's probably also true. Yeah, rooting for all the favorites and all the small tournaments. That's for sure. Uh, UVA, they're another team on the bubble. They were looking like they might be just in front of us. They probably will be in the ACC tournament, but they've now dropped below us in the big tournament rankings because they lost to Florida State, and that happened just after the Virginia Tech game. So the excitement from that game, that energy that I was bringing rolled right into that game and all for Florida State. And when UVA came down and they made that little um, floater from free throw line, nice, nice little shot, and he makes it. I was like, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and UVA is playing better basketball. That, they deserve that. That miracle, they put the point seven. they got it back to one second, they put point seven back on the clock. Just enough for that guy to catch and shoot, and he made it. That was incredible. Loved it. Um, you know, one of my top moments of the year, especially the top moment, not including a hokey player. That was mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah, and look, if UVA misses out, I know they're the higher seed, like you said, but really it's going to come down to two non-conference games UVA lost if they don't make the tournament. It's going to be that Navy loss they had, and it's going to be the loss to JMU. That will knock them out of the tournament. Those are losses you cannot have. Those are not good losses. Those teams have not played well in their conferences either. So th- those are losses that and if you UVA... you expecting a bid anymore? Yeah, I know. Stunner. Um, but if... <laughs> if JM, or if, excuse me, if UVA misses the tournament, those are the two games they're going to look at and go, if we had won those, we would probably be in a lot better spot. But all their net rankings and the Ken Palm ratings and stuff the committee uses and looks at, those those are trashed because of those games. And UVA, there in the early part of the season when we said, they'll figure it out, they'll turn around. Well, they didn't figure it out and turn it around quite the way we thought. Now, they are playing better than they did at the beginning of the season, but they aren't dominating the ACC. They're not one of the top three or four teams in the ACC. And that's kind of what they needed to be to guarantee their spot and overcome that rough non-conference start they had. They haven't. They're so they're probably, they're probably going to be on the outside looking in unless – Again, like Virginia Tech, and, and maybe they don't have the resume Virginia Tech does, so maybe they need to get into the ACC championship game. I don't know. Um, but I would think a semifinal appearance probably is good enough for them too, but we'll see. The thing is we could see each other there, but it would take some upsets from both of us to do that. Well, that would be um, bad news for UVA because if that's the case and Virginia Tech right. wins, they're out. Yeah, and I'm not scared of them. I'm really not. And I've said this other years. I'm not scared of playing them. We play them tough. I, I, I don't know. I'm just I, do think, I, I do think if those two teams play in the semifinal, the winner gets in and the loser's out. Yeah, because they, the, well, the winner's of the championship game, so that would, that would do it. I think, well, but I I'm, think I'm UVA, just saying, like we said, Virginia Tech is the semifinal they're in. It, not if that other team is UVA and UVA beats you. Sure, 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 sure. You got you to gotta win then. Um, yeah, you can't lose to you, – you, you want those wins against those higher teams – much higher teams. You don't want to really see UVA. You want that chance for another quad one win. Um, UVA should be good at that six seed. They don't play again until Saturday against Louisville. Uh, Virginia Tech I will should be at that seven seed. Uh, Syracuse losing to North Carolina kind of gets us one games between each other here. 
Um, if UVA somehow loses to Louisville and Virginia Tech beats Louisville and then beats Syracuse or uh, uh, Clemson, that we, we could be talking about something there. But we're in that area. I think it's going to go six seven. UVA at six, us at seven. So that'll be good. Um, I'm I'm just excited about all these tournaments. I I'm a nerd and have an Excel sheet where I make my own. Uh, conference brackets and i i had i got the acc women put together today i got the uh the atlantic 10 women put together today i got the big south because i follow radford down there didn't realize they were having such a poor year you know mm-hmm. i'm ready i'm ready for these conference tournaments to start tomorrow some start tomorrow it's great if either uva or virginia tech loses to louisville that bubble's popping that is oh no you yeah, 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 can't yeah. lose to louisville that team no, is can't lose bad to no, I, this is I, everything we just said about our runs. The our UVA and Tech is winning until that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you called VCU on Saturday. I did. Uh, it was a good game. It was a rivalry matchup. It was Senior Day, Alumni Day at VCU. So Taya Robinson and Madison Haddix Covington uh, ended their regular season VCU careers on Saturday and it was exciting down, down to the wire. Taya Robinson hits a three when they absolutely had to have it to tie the game. After winning most of that game, Richmond came back. Uh, they've got a good uh, freshman guard in Sydney Boone. Who's also from Richmond um, that plays for the spiders. Now um, she came off the bench and honestly, she was one of the more impressive players they had. Uh, Richmond was full of players from Virginia uh, VCU though, because of that, they're going to be the four seed. So they are solidly in that four. UMass ended up beating St. Louis. So even if VCU had won, they were still four. Um, despite the loss, uh, losses to UMass and Richmond, they're still in a pretty good spot. They're where they want to be in the four seed. And the, they, have, uh, they get to wait and see who they play, whether that's LaSalle or uh, whoever the 12-13 winner is. Um, and if... Like they're George not Washington they're not well. going to upset LaSalle. So they're probably playing LaSalle. And for VCU, you just got to beat LaSalle. And then once you do that, it's about seeing who you draw deeper Dayton. into the tournament. Uh, that's probably going to be Dayton is the it one is. seed. I don't think Dayton is going to lose. Um, so you're going to have to beat Dayton again. You did beat Dayton want? at Dayton. Yep, you, you beat Dayton on the road already this year. Uh, now you get them on a neutral floor. And then you're probably, I mean... Look, UMass or Rhode Island could get into that game. But Rhode Island has been really, really good this year. Uh, their only loss has been to Dayton. So who knows what happens there. But I, I will also say this, uh, getting to see Taya Robinson play this year, she is a really phenomenal player for VCU, one of the best players in their program's history, if not the best you could make a case for it. I think she ended up fifth all-time on the scoring list at VCU. She started and played in the most games in VCU history. So uh, a very uh, accomplished career there. And Madison Haddix-Covington, a player that didn't always show up on the score sheet. And if you're looking at just points scored on a box score, maybe not everything leaps out, but her defensive abilities and her, her abilities on the glass really, really helped VCU in a lot of games. And I imagine it's going to help against LaSalle if uh, that's who VCU ends up seeing in the A-10 tournament. And if VCU makes a run, it's going to be because of players like them. Well, I'm rooting for that. Mm -hmm. I hope they can play well. I wish you got to call all these games down the stretch, but it'll be fun to watch them. Uh, Virginia Tech women. I watched both those games uh, this past week. At least I'm on the TV. 
they beat Miami. They were losing to Miami the entire game, and I just thought, okay, here's here's the bubble kind of burst in here. Not not on the being in the tournament. They'll be in the tournament, but just kind of here's the great season kind of going to turn sour. But then they came back and won that game late in the fourth. It took a you know a second half comeback. I think it was like Thursday night, and they played well down the stretch and won that game. And then NC State, they were in that game kind of seven down, but still battling, battling through the whole thing. Um, and it came right down to the very end. They got within a couple points. But, you know, number four in the nation, NC State, pulled pulled it out. And, and it's not a shocker. And I think they're number three now, actually, when they played. So um, that's a matchup they might have to face again here in the ACC tournament. But uh, they played right with them. And I think that has to give Coach Kenny Brooks, you know, a lot of confidence of what they can do against these top teams when they get matched up with them whether it's in the ACC tournament this week or going in the tournament after that. I, I'm really hoping for a lot of noise out of them in the NCAA tournament. Win at least one game against a higher seed, or against a lower seed, you know, a better team, and, and really, you know, wake people up to what's happening in Blacksburg. I was say, I, I think it was before the game on Sunday, the last women's tournament projection I saw was Virginia Tech as a six. So that's amazing considering what, it was when Kenny Brooks got there. Uh, he has turned that team into a very, very good program. And they I don't think you or I are surprised by that. 2000s. Yeah, I don't think you or I are surprised by that. I mean, we saw what he did at JMU, oh. and we knew with with the ability to recruit at an ACC program and with an ACC footprint what he could do there at Virginia Tech if given time. They gave him that time, and he's built something special there. And I think it only goes up. So it's going to be interesting year, to see though, what they like do. He, he mm-hmm. came in and they won a lot of the non non ACC games. Right, it was the ACC games. Yeah, that, that kind of not his players. Yeah, and so that was you could see the spark immediately. And so yeah, this surprises me none. I, I ex, I've expected this, and I just want to maximize and build and maximize and build again. Yeah, I think they're going to have a very good run. I do too. I, I just want them. I want to upset. I want them to upset somebody. My my women's bracket will have them upsetting at least one team. Um, softball for our JMU fandom of softball, uh, about as rough as it could get. They didn't, they didn't win anything this weekend. They, yeah. they played Ole Miss, UCF and Florida, which and you can compre- comprehend losses to them, but they started the weekend with a loss to Oakland and you just really can't have that. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be able to have losses. You can explain. So not a shocker with a young roster. The coach Laporte really talked about that when she was on the podcast and, the hard schedule, especially up front, young roster, it adds up. It makes sense. You you get you get what's going on there. But you know now, Coach Sports going to have to turn this into a learning experience to build on for the future. They have other opportunities against tough teams, but the bulk of their tough teams have already passed, and yeah. they're only three and five at this point. So it's going to be a mountain to climb from here without no CA tournament. So optimism is low for uh, you know playing in late May and into June. So that's fine. And it, now it's, you know, let's focus on what can develop out of these young players and, and see, cause I, you know, I fully expect them to have successful years in the years to come, especially with going in the Sun Belt. But I think this year, you know, I don't want to write them off completely yet, but the paper's laying over there. I just don't want to read it. <laughs> that's, that's probably the thing. I was going to say, yeah, what's done is done. And you kind of got to take care of what you can, what yep. you can control at this point, and that's winning as many games as you can that's left on the schedule, and the the big games you have, you have to have them, uh, kind of, if, 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 if you yeah. want an at-large bid. And I guess it's possible, as long as they don't completely fall on their face here with what's left of their non-conference schedule, if they run the table in the CAA, I guess yeah. it's possible they you could get an at-large. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm like you. When I saw the first game of the weekend was a loss against uh, Oakland, my first thought was just, uh-oh. And then Ole Miss is a loss, and UCF is a rough loss. And then Florida, I was like, yeah, I mean – They've just given up a lot Probably of not. Yeah. And and again, I think, you know, privately that was a concern I shared with you uh, yeah. was how the pitching would handle uh, the, a full season. And it's off to a rough start, but it's a young team. And, you know, they can they can do it. That's the thing. If it's not and, this and, and year, like, you know, when you go to the Sun Belt, that's a tough conference. But then you'll be able to be in a conference tournament, and, and that'll help. So – I, I appreciate what Coach Laporte was saying about mm-hmm. these young pitchers and, and Humphrey last year pitched in when Odyssey was out and doing so well. I, I, I'm not doubting she did it. The stats are there. They yeah. won the game. But after a season where the national spotlight woke everybody up to JMU softball, now there's actually a spotlight on her during the season. People are paying attention now differently than they have before. And so it's a different kind of look and, and it's just not going as well. And, and she's still learning. She's a young pitcher and she can still be very successful. It's just, it's tough. And especially look at this early season schedule last year, you had less game, you know, you're only pretty much played your CAA. You, you didn't have all these non-conference uh, tournaments down in Florida and everything. So you didn't, you didn't have that tough opponent up, up front. And now, now you do. So it's, we'll, we'll keep checking in on, JMU, maybe not every not every week, but uh, this week they go down to a Liberty Classic down in Lynchburg. Um, you know, the they have Notre Dame on that schedule, uh, George Washington also. So some fun teams for them to play, but, you know, not the SEC thoroughbreds that they would like to be knocking off to wake everybody up to, hey, we're, we're better now. And, you know, that's, that's going to be tough. But Tech, they had a good weekend. They won all the games they played, beating Ohio State, Miami of Ohio, South Carolina, the SEC school. Troy was a no contest. I didn't catch exactly what happened there. Um, so they're off to a good start here, 11 and two, and, and they're going to start going into uh, ACC season. They have Clemson coming up next weekend and they'll start doing these midweek um, games this week, a double header with Charlotte, but they'll travel around regionally and, and catch a game on Tuesday or Wednesday before their ACC games on the weekend. So Virginia Tech started off the way they need to, and uh, they'll have their opportunities. Yeah. And, Look, that's the thing. I think, you know, JMU obviously, and rightfully so, was the main focal point of softball in Virginia last year during the postseason. But Virginia Tech was also in that Women's College World Series, also looked very good, and or also made a deep run, excuse me, in the women's tournament last year. And they're really good. And I think they will be a team that, again, is making a deep run. It'll be interesting to see if they can get to Oklahoma City uh, and be a part of that tournament. Uh, I think so. I'm hoping for it. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of playing it for it. They had, they were close last Very year. Good. They battled. They, uh, UC, they were out of UCLA and, um, yeah, I was going to say I, they lost then, in the super regional, but yeah. yeah, but it was a good run. And, uh, you know, with her back, uh, the Richard pitcher back, I, I, you know, they're teed up. This is a year to make a run. Right. So kind of like Jamie was last year with I'm Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I'm following. This is why I'm talking about it right now because I'm trying to be ahead of everybody else talking about it, because I think come May, everybody's going to be woken up to, oh, Virginia Tech's still playing softball. I'm, I'm going to be ahead of it. I'm going to know what's going on when that comes. So, mm-hmm. And honestly, I talk about it at work. That's the reason I think Augusta County talks about it. At work, we have uh, her granddaughter plays for UVA softball, so we have the built-in rivalry right there. So basically every, every Monday we go in and share what happened last weekend. So she's the one player at UVA Athletics that I cheer for. <laughs> 
Wow. There you go. <laughs> it worked out last year. UVA, as she was a freshman, she they came down to Tech. They played. Virginia Tech one hit UVA last year uh, in one of the games there. And uh, guess who had that one hit? <laughs> the granddaughter. Well, perfect. Well, that's She's good. The only one that did something good. Say, if, if one person had to get a hit, at least it's the person that you are, you know, yes. quiet, quietly supporting. Yes, quietly supporting only to her. I don't talk about it outside of that. Well, and now you've done it on the podcast. Speaking of got people I'm supporting, I was really uh, excited to see Aaron Nice choose to go to um, Bridgewater for, to play college football. I know he had a lot of offers on the table. Um, some higher interest. I ha- I'm happy for him because I, if you if a kid with his talent is choosing to go to Bridgewater, being closer to home, and that must have been somewhat of a priority. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he has a good fit there, feels comfortable there, doing what he wants to do, and I think giving himself a chance to really succeed at Bridgewater. I think he could really be a great player for the Eagles there, and really you know set a good tone for local players going there and uh, performing well. And, and we saw uh, Zach Smiley. He's down at, uh, what, Randolph-Macon, and he came up to Bridgewater and played. I'm excited for those two to play against each other in the years to come because we saw some great high school football games when those two guys went against each other. And, and that's Aaron Nice. I think he's planning on playing defense there. Uh, so he could be tackling Zach Smiley just the same way that we saw in high school. So I'm really excited for him. I think that's a, a, great, a great fit for him, um, kind of seeing his decision and, and kind of reading between the lines of what his priorities are. And I love seeing it for him. Yeah, uh, and I think that's great. And the the great part about this is, um, as you said, it's a local kid going to a local school, so fans in the yeah. area will be able to follow him, and they'll even be able. Bridgewater's not that far of a drive; you can go and watch some games on Saturdays oh, yeah. when Bridgewater's playing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what that looks like for him, and I wish him the what uh, the best at Bridgewater. And uh, I know the Bridgewater Eagles. Wasn't too long ago they had a nice run in football. So the ODAC is a very good conference for football in yeah. D three, and hopefully Aaron Nice is able to continue that tradition there. Yeah, they're playing down in Salem. That, that was mm-hmm. a heck of a run. Now, I mean, you get the the Mount Unions of the world. Uh, yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll delay, change things. But, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron Nice. Hey, he's he's won some big games at the high school level. He's going to bring a lot of big game experience to that roster. And uh, I bet he'll I, – I imagine he'll be a leader, just like he's been in high school for multiple years here. I mean, it seemed like he's at Tech for six years – at Tech. At Stewart Straff for six years there, uh, just because of the impact that he had even at a young age. And uh, we just kept – you know, Andy's back next year. Andy's back next year, a couple years in a row. And, yeah, he's a great player. I expect him to do great things there. So, you uh, watch any Disney movies this week? Yeah, I was about to ask you if you want to do the serious thing first or the the fun one first. Yeah, we can let's do the let's do the fun thing. Let's do the fun thing first. Okay, we so, have to do the serious. Thing. Yeah, I think I think it's important. Um, I do too. But let's do the fun thing. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched Coco. So actually, I watched it two weeks ago. But we'll we'll do it this week because I didn't talk about it last week. Um, as I did last week with Encanto, it it kind of had a lot of the same vibes. It was very family oriented. The story. Uh, instead of being about the Colombian culture and, and Colombian music, it was more on the Mexican culture and the Mexican music. Uh, and I thought it was really well done. I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the music in it. And I, I thought, hey, this is another great one by Disney. Uh, and it's another one of those where, again, it's not the traditional. When I was growing up, Disney had, for the most part, prince, princess, evil villain, 
and that's who you're battling. There is a villain in this story, uh, unlike Encanto, where it's just kind of, you know, no real villain. It's just the story, and they're losing magic, and how do we solve that problem? This, there is a villain, and you, you learn who that villain is, and kind of a twist, and... Uh, but I thought I thought for the most part I loved the story and that's the old grandma, isn't it? Hmm? The old grandma's the villain, right? In Coco? No. <laughs> no. No, no, see? This is this is me being honest. No, the old grandma's not the villain. The old grandma is the hero and just like that's in great. Star Wars, the Empire's the hero and the rebels are just a bunch of ragtag bunch of group that doesn't have a plan and is just a bunch of anarchists, and you can't support that. They, I mean, they bring in smugglers. Ew. Scruffy-looking nerf herders. The worst. Yeah, don't blow up planets. But, yeah, no, Coco is good. Um, because they could. I've seen it plenty. <laughs> uh, I know who the villain is. Uh, my kids have not taken to it uh, as really? strongly. So I've only seen it a handful of times. Um, but it is good. And uh, um the yeah. main song that kind of comes out throughout the movie can get stuck in your head pretty darn quick. Uh, so uh, that's probably why I, I try maybe to avoid it sometimes because I don't want that song stuck in my head because I like it. It's a good a good little tune. Yeah, but I think that's I think because I watched Encanto around the same time as that I, that the song we don't talk about Bruno stuck in my head more yeah. than the song from Coco. So yeah, that one is more of an earworm. That is true. Um, so let's get serious. Um, obviously, the big news around the world is the conflict in Ukraine with Russia invading the Ukraine. And I have just been amazed at something that, you know, is you're thinking, and it is, it's, it's a major world event. The ties to sports have just really been surprising. And in ways I didn't think about until this kind of thing happened. And I'm like, Oh yeah. What do you do in that situation? And uh, the first one we'll talk about, because it's the one that impacts local fans the most, is Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals. And there's a lot of people out here saying Ovechkin shouldn't be allowed to play. Ovechkin needs to come out strongly against Putin and Russia and denounce them and call them evil. And The thing with that is... It's really tough for him because his family still lives in Russia. His wife, his child, his his family lives in Russia. And I think this is one of those instances where, as Americans, we let our privilege show a little bit because we don't know what that's like. You or I can sit here and say, hey, the president of our country is a complete idiot and is the worst person in the world and come up with a laundry list of reasons why we don't like him. Nothing's going to happen to us. Nothing's going to happen to our family. If Alexander Ovechkin comes out at a press conference. We've tested that theory, just, just so you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, we have. Um, it, if Alexander Ovechkin comes out at a press conference and is asked what he thinks about Russia invading the Ukraine and comes out and says Putin's wrong, he's a terrible person, he's a dictator, and he needs to stop this invasion immediately, blah, blah, blah. He might never see his family again. And if you think that's a joke, I, I, look at the journalists who uh-huh. criticize him. Look at the I journalists who criticize Putin. You do, some of them end up dead. All his political opponents end up dead or in prison. So 
it's not a joke. It's not something where he can come out and say what he wants because he might never see his family again. It's easy for people to say, well, you shouldn't have been supporting him and taking all these pictures and blah, blah, blah. Okay, but it's kind of the same thing. He is one of the most famous Russians on the planet. And so Vladimir Putin, trying to create a cult of personality as a leader, wants to attach himself to these very famous Russians. That's why he's attached to all the oligarchs, all the people who make money. He allows them to make their money. They help him because that's how they get their money. It's a mutually beneficial thing there with those people. And so with Alexander Ovechkin, it's a celebrity thing. Hey, Alexander, I want to be taking pictures with you. So I look at this famous Russian. He likes me, blah, blah, blah. And if Alexander Ovechkin says, nope, not interested, it, it could potentially be the same consequences for his family. And again, another one of the things people say, well, get his family. He's had, he's been a famous NHL player and made all this money. Why doesn't he get his family out of there? Again, I understand that to a certain extent. And I would like to think if I lived in, if I came from a country that had a dictator or wasn't safe, I, and I'm hit it big and made a ton of money somewhere else, I would move my family there. But that's also easy for me to say when I don't have that conflict and I don't know what that's like. So, I in just many think, ways, yeah, we're living a much different life. Yeah, eventually. I just don't know what that's like. Can't imagine the dynamic. What yeah, they're dealing with. I, I can't imagine picking up and leaving my home country because it's not safe. I, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like, and so that's how it ties in at with. Best, at best, we've had moments in our life. You know, the day of 9-11 or something like that, where you, you have an uncertainty. Right. We have moments of that in our life experience. and But it's not right constant now, threat he's having constant more pressure. Than a moment of that. He's having a just in-your-face life <laughs> dramatic thing right going on right now. And, yeah, I, you can't. And I, one yeah, of the players of the New York Rangers is a, is a Russian player, and he had to – he said something that was just not 100% in line with – the Russian talking points that I'm sure they wanted him to say, he left the team to just make sure his family's okay. And so that's that's kind of what I'm saying. He didn't come out and say, Vladimir Putin is terrible and get out of the Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. And he still felt the need to step away from the team to make sure his family's okay. Crazy. And, and so I, I just don't think everyone understands that necessarily. Dominic Hasek says, Alexander Ovechkin should be suspended. Dominic Hasek is from the Czech Republic. Dominic Hasek has no idea what he's talking about on this. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. Put your family on the line. Put your family on the line, Dominic Hasek, and see if you feel that way. I don't think you're going to feel that way. I mean, he's in America right now where he's surrounded by freedom of speech. Again, freedom of speech is not freedom of consequence. He realizes that with his own <laughs> comments and it's for his own country. He can say whatever he wants to hear. He also has the right not to say whatever he wants to say right. publicly. He can deal with what he needs to do, deal with privately. So uh, another thing that I thought was interesting, though, and another way it ties into sports in F1, there is a team that is uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Well, it's not Stuart Haas in F1. It's just Haas is an American racing team. Well, Stuart didn't want to get involved in F1, I guess. But Haas. Might be the right call right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Haas's main sponsor was one of these Russian companies that is run by a Russian oligarch who got sanctioned. Sure. And the immediate calls for Haas to drop them as a sponsor, done. They they are taking – they were doing testing last week, and going into that last day of testing, 
all the company stuff was off the car. But even They're though, looking, like, I mean, all these, all these international leagues, uh, especially like something mm-hmm. like F one that travels internationally for their events, and you'll get to World Cup. All these are cutting ties. I mean, NHL, NHL, who has a lot. Of, I mean, Russian sponsors. Most, yep. like, a lot of Russians playing. A lot of sponsors. They cut them right, or like cut uh, access right then. Cut sponsorships. Uh, that the Russian language coverage of the NHL has gotten put on pause. Like, yeah, there's a lot of reactions across the board to just kind of do what you can to make things rougher for the Russian people during this time to help garner support in a, in a, a productive way. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. and, and so with, with that, uh, there's talk of canceling the Russian Grand Prix. Now, F1 did not come out with the strongest statement on that. It was a, we have removed it from the calendar and we will examine when it gets closer to September, what we'll do. Which is kind of a thing like, we want to see if this is still something happening in September. And if it's not, maybe we go back. Um, Which to me, I'm like, if you want to actually send a statement, you're going to say, we're not going to have the Russian Grand Prix in September. We're going to have it somewhere else. Um, But that's not what they chose to do. And again, there's a lot of reasons that go into that. I'm sure money plays a part of it. Uh, (laughs) The driver... The driver for this Haas team, though, one of the drivers is also Russian. It's Nikita Mazepin. And his father has ties to money and Putin. And there's calls for him to be not allowed to be the driver. Haas has not come out and said that's going to be the case, but they have said, we are looking at all options. And it became very apparent through some of the F1 reporting that right now they're just looking legally into what they can and can't do. Because they don't want to do something and then be told, hey, you can't do that, and then owe him a bunch of money. Um, but uh, On the Russian side of, for athletes, I'll say for the individual athletes and stuff, I have much more of a problem when we've been talking about these last three weeks of the Olympics about cheating within the sports and getting Russians stopped from competing and stuff like that because of those individual actions than I am hung up on these Russians playing American sports or international sports right now. And that's my personal opinion right now, mm-hmm. um, just because – they're not, you know, politicians. So, you know, I, I would hate to think, you know, if, if America wasn't making the best decisions or decisions that aren't agreed upon, I would hate for our individuals to be in trouble around the earth, you know, playing, you know, um, soccer. Champions League soccer or something like yeah. that. I would, I would hate to think that would be the case. So I, I'm not quick to that on these individual athletes for sure. I, I tend to agree with you on that. I do. There's a lot of call for. Maybe I'll change my mind. But there's right a now, lot of calls for any Russian to be banned from any competition. And kind of like you said, I was like, well, and I, and I started to think about it and I'm like, okay, well, and it's mostly Americans. Um, although it is kind of people in other countries too. And, and the first thing that pops in my mind was, okay, well, the Iraqi war wasn't popular internationally. We didn't see calls for American athletes to be banned from, from other sports. Like we just didn't. So I I do kind of understand now if those particular Russian athletes are funding the Russian government in any way, then I kind of understand that. But if that's not the case and they're just, they just happen to be citizens of Russia, then I think you kind of look, it goes, there's a lot of examples of this. Not all Germans are evil because of what Germany did in World War II. Not all Russians are evil because of this. Not all Americans are evil because of whatever things America has done in the past. So 
you kind of just need to be careful with the broad brush we paint everyone under there would be my thing there um but the other two instances i'll get into really quickly because i don't think you have anything else on f1 is (laughs) um (laughs) fifa has actually updated their statement as of like a few hours ago yeah this evening uh because originally it was russia it was the olympic way you can't use the flag you can't use the anthem and you can't call yourself russia you have to be the russian football union or something and to which I was like, oh, God. And the teams in Russia's group for the European qualifiers had already said, we're not playing them. Uh, yeah. And so I think that had a lot to do with this. But FIFA ends up updating and saying Russia is out of the World Cup. They're not letting them be in the World Cup. I understand that. I think is that's that fine. <laughs> no, it's going to go to a different European team. Um, <laughs> now, I know I just said don't paint all Russians with a broad brush and ban them from all competitions. But I do think something like that, which is a national competition, I think that is part of it. And and that is okay. And so I don't have a problem with this. I thought the IOC coming out with a statement saying uh, international competition shouldn't allow Russia to compete was just, (laughs) I rolled my eyes. It was like, you guys messed this up (laughs) like two weeks ago. Like don't come at other people telling them how to do their stuff when you can't even get it right. So um, now the last thing I'll say, and this is also soccer related, Chelsea is owned by a Russian oligarch and he tried to say in a PR statement that he is passing over day-to-day operations of the team to the Chelsea football foundation. And the Chelsea football foundation said, uh, what are you talking about? And said, we're not aware of this. We do not accept this. Uh, and the reason for that is because the UK is looking into further sanctions. And if the UK were to determine that, this Russian oligarch has to give up his team. He has leveraged some ungodly amount of money against the club to where technically it would bankrupt them. So they don't want to be held holding this loan and the collateral against them. So that's why they're not doing anything right now. Uh, And I think that's actually not handled. Um, Talking about Chelsea though, they did lose to Liverpool in PKs for the (laughs) Carabao cup. 11 to 10. Uh, that means everyone kicked, including the goalies. Liverpool's goalie scored and Chelsea's goalie sent it to the moon. Um, but going back, it, it's very interesting to me how all this shakes out. And, and here's the other thing I want to say with this, because you see all these sports ties, and it reminds me of something I've talked about on this podcast before with soccer, when Manchester City is owned by the UAE and Newcastle has just recently been bought by the Saudis. A lot of these teams these soccer clubs or you know when you look at f1 or other international competitions and you see the way some of these countries from not great human rights uh what we in the west would value as human rights standpoint uh they don't have great track records there they're trying to kind of have a different view of them by getting involved with sports and saying oh look see we're not that bad look we own this we own this team and look what we're doing and trying to raise glory that way for their country. Uh, and it, it's the messy part of this. It's why FIFA saying, you know, obviously we care about human rights and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm glad you're doing the right thing here, but if you cared about human rights, your world cup wouldn't be in Qatar. So I don't, you lose me a little bit with that. I am excited just the way we've seen a lot of bravery on the Ukrainian side of this mm-hmm. and where civilians, politicians are right in the middle of this fighting for their country 
you know, not not afraid to be there. Back to the sports. I saw the two boxers tonight that uh, you had. Um, Klitschko's. Klitschko. Klitschko and uh, Lem- Lemachenko was the one I was hoping you were going to say for me. Klitschko, I know. Uh, those Both of those boxers are over there on the streets with guns in their hands, ready to, ready well, to go. Well, it's the Klitschko so. brothers, but yes. Okay. But then also Vasily Lem- Lemachenko. Yeah. He's not Klitschko. So, yeah. So a, lot, a, a couple of them there. So, and I'm sure there's more examples of that. I, that's what I was excited about this evening watching Sports Center. They did a little thing on that. I thought that was really, really cool to add to the list and, and be sports connected there, uh, the bravery there. So, um, yeah, I, it's a mess. It, it is a it's mess. A mess it's it, a mess. I don't, I just don't, I guess people are trying to make, I don't under. I guess this isn't the first time in our podcast history, and we've had a lot to, to talk about the last about two years now, where there's these issues that are being made out to be partisan. I'm just not catching this one yet. I just don't see uh, the other side of this. I just, just I have seen people take, take on both sides of the country. aisle. It's yes, not what we're doing. I have seen both sides of the aisle make themselves look really foolish. Certain people from both sides of the aisle. Uh, on this issue because they seem to take the wrong thing away from it. I, I, me personally, if you're taking anything other than Ukraine as being invaded uh, and trying to have their government overthrown by someone who is trying to exert his influence and kind of try to recreate the map to how it used to be during the Cold War, I don't know what I don't know how you're seeing this. Then I, I, don't, I don't know what don't you're get getting that. out of this. I, this is a very dangerous situation in terms of geopolitics and. As you said, you hear all these stories about Ukrainians defending their homes and politicians and the president, you know, telling the U.S. government, I don't need a ride. I need I need weapons. I need ammo. Former um, president's still there. I mean, and he, while, he got while the president is still there defending and yeah. that's and the Klitschko brothers who are boxers and don't have to go back. They don't have to go back. They could easily get out. They have all the money they could have ever wanted out of boxing. And they go yeah. back to defend their home. And, and there's other athletes. And they're going to fight a Ukrainian fight physical dominance is going not back. Save. Yeah, going back to defend their home. And I think, you know, the other thing, and I heard, I know you're not a huge fan of Levitard, but his monologue started this week's, uh, today's episode with it, um, where he talked about this Ukrainian crisis and the Klitschko's and, and what's going on over there in Ukraine. And one of the things he said, and I, I totally agreed, was, Sometimes in sports, we throw around the term hero and, oh, that person's so mentally tough and they're, they're, all the guts they have. We kind of just throw those around. And in those certain terms, like, yes, in terms of the game or the sport, maybe. But when you're talking like actual guts and actual courage and actual bravery, that's what this is. They're going into a war zone against an opponent that is much larger than they are. It's a military that is dwarfs their military. And they are sitting there fighting for their homes, fighting for their freedom. And, you know, I've seen people say this, and I I don't disagree with it. Someone posed the question, how many American politicians do we think, if this situation were the same, would we see doing this? And I don't know if that answer is anywhere near the number of Ukrainian politicians that are. And I think it's just, again, I think it's the privilege. We've, We've never had to face something like this. We don't know what that's like. We don't have a neighbor that borders us, that we worry about taking us over. And that's what the Ukraine has had to deal with for a while now. And, 
you know, their their president is trying to get peace talks. He's trying to strengthen themselves for the future too by trying to get in the EU and I'm sure NATO, I, I don't know what will be the result of this peace talk, but if it's not in the peace talks that he can't join NATO, I'm sure that comes. Um, this only pushes them further into that, I would imagine. And look, I, I just, I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine not being able to sleep because there's bombs going off around me all the time and worrying about, you know, where I live blowing up yes. while I'm trying to sleep or trying to just live. And, and it's it's heartbreaking to see what they're going through. But at the same time, you see what these people are doing and how they're defending their homes. And man, I, I just, I hope for the best there and I, I wish them the best. And it's it's gonna be tough um, and it's hard. I, I'm trying to find out as much information as I can because I just, it's the story. Um, you know, we've just spent almost an hour talking about sports and I love sports and I've still watched sports and all that. Yeah, we're but the, we're the break. We're the break from the real. Yeah. yeah, but and this is a break for real from me too, uh, doing this yeah. podcast. But at the same time, when I'm not doing this, I'm very much trying to find out what's going on over there. And it's even harder to try to figure out what's true and what's not because you have a bunch of stuff on there that's just information that's not true. And if you use critical thinking, you can kind of figure some of that stuff out. But then there's some stuff that you're like, I don't know, like. I don't know some of these stories about these ships out in out in the sea and uh, their message back to, to yeah, but okay, but that's one right. Yeah, so the initial right. story was like, no survivors. No, it's real. Yeah, one of the one of the initial stories though is no survivors, and now they're saying, well, actually, they did survive, and they're captured, and so you're like, okay, yeah. well, which one of these is true? I don't know. Yeah, I, I will it's, say. The ghost of Kiev stuff, I don't think is real. Uh, I'm sorry, I know that burst some people's bubble. I just, the idea that somebody in the Ukrainian Air Force has shot down 10 Russian jets, I would be floored if that was true. I would be floored if he shot down half that number. I just, who's he getting practice against with the Ukrainian Air Force would be my question. It's something that hasn't been done in such a long time, uh, becoming a fighter ace. And that's the thing. Like, oh, on day one, he shot down six Russian jets and became an ace for the first time since, I think it was like World War II or Vietnam or something. And I was like... Okay, who is Ukraine getting practice against where he's going to get this good? Yeah. Hey, it'd be awesome if it's true. It would be, but yeah, I have my doubts, but yeah. Just just like we want our local teams to go on the road this week and upset team. <laughs> what a great segue. We want the these underdogs to win in yes. sports all time. And so here on Something Real, where lives can be saved because of it, we'll take it, even, even in the process, though. You know, I, I hate... I hate the idea that lives are lost, honestly, on both sides. I mean, that's I, I know it's probably not the best time to say that. I just hate that this war exists. I hate that this conflict is existing because it's it just seems so unnecessary. It seems so pushed and forced that it just seems so unnecessary for, for either side to be losing lives for this testing. For and this, people having know, to leave their homes. Situation. The, the people being displaced and having to seek yeah, refuge in is, Poland yeah, or wherever it is. and civilians that have nothing to say in it. Yeah. It's really sad. But on a brighter note, um, we don't talk about this all the time, I promise. And um, usually we – both of these sections. Usually uh, this ending section for me, uh, it's become a Disney movie the last two weeks. It probably will be for a while. And then usually the other – it was a Billy Lowell, Billy Joel, you know, love section Count, for a good countdown for a while. Yep. 
Um, but then usually the other topic is either F1 or soccer, something I know is going to make Leland upset. Um, irritate me, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So usually that's the goal. And technically there was F1 and soccer both in this, um, but it was with a darker tie. Uh, but most of the time that's not the case. So if this is the first episode you've ever heard, please don't get this <laughs> misconstrued. We don't usually go this serious and this this dark to close out. Well, sometimes social, dark. Social but, responsibility. We have to cash it in every once in a while. Yeah, sometimes dark, but usually on just things that don't matter like sports. But Even in your birthday month, Joe. Oh, you know what? Your- yes, even in my birthday month. But I'll tell you what's good news. Uh, we'll end this on some good news. The Orioles today was reported that they are heavily interested in Carlos Correa and Mike Elias wants to hey. make that happen. To which I saw that and I <laughs> there was some jerk Orioles fans like no thanks we don't want cheaters and I was like shut up yes we do <laughs> I, I think I even said on this podcast now if I hate the Houston Astros because they cheated now if the Orioles did that in one World Series it's amazing what a uniform does to your opinion yeah it's amazing what a uniform can do to your opinion on something but uh, World Series champion uh, trophy bobblehead <laughs> yep yeah talk, yeah talk to me while I'm wearing my Orioles World Series champion hoodie uh, but <laughs> I'll let you tell me about how bad it is while I'm wearing the hoodie and celebrating. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I, when I saw that, I was just like, yes, please. Because everything else in baseball is just a tire fire. Um, yeah. although seeing Derek Jeter step down was hilarious. Failure. It was a failure. Just like his playing career. If he wasn't a Yankee, but, uh, Hall of Fame, top 15 shortstop. Yeah. Not if he's a Pittsburgh Pirate. He's a no-name bum who doesn't even get on the second ballot for the Hall of Fame. But uh, follow us on Twitter, at YakSportsPod. You can we find us on Facebook, YakSportsPod. The entire season of worth of baseball in the postseason that he played in. Yes. If we, he's a if Pittsburgh Pirate, no one cares history, about Derek Jeter. Is different. My point is, if he is a Pittsburgh Pirate, he's not good. So he is not a Hall of Famer. He is a guy who was surrounded by the highest payroll in baseball every year. He was an absolutely horrible defender. So is a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame, and a lot of them hit worse than he did. Like, he's a top 15 shortstop of all time. No. According to wins above replacement, he is. Well, According to the 98.1% of the Hall of Fame vote the first time he was on the ballot, well, 98.1% yeah. of baseball writers are morons. It's all but one. <laughs> and that one guy's a hero. I know we just <laughs> said don't throw that word around, but, I mean, come on. He kept Derek Jeter from being unanimous. That's If that's not a hero, I don't know what is. So <laughs> make sure you're following us on Twitter at YakSportsPod, Facebook YakSportsPod, or you can email us YakSportsPod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Is How overrated is Derek Jeter really? I mean, Not nearly so as much overrated. As I, I, next week, I need a metric. I need you to tell me. Okay, overrated. I, I, I'm not going to absolutely argue that phrase. Sure, there's some overratedness. There's a lot of players in sports that are overrated. I'm just saying, could he do what Cal Ripken did, play on a team yeah, that is like terrible? Cal Ripken's a better shortstop than him. Cal Ripken is a better shortstop than him. I'm not arguing against Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken's better. Cal Ripken has better stats. But what I'm sure. saying is, could he do that? Could he be a player like a Cal Ripken play on a team that is terrible for the majority of his career and still be in the hall of fame. Could he be a Mike Trout, a team that's only been to the playoffs one time in his career and still be in the hall of fame? The answer is no, he couldn't. He's not good enough. 
I doubt he worries about that with his hands weighted down with all these rings. Like he, he accomplished so much. Like he is a great player. He's a great, like he's an average player at best. I think he's an average player at best. I think he was on great teams. He's an average player. He wasn't even the best shortstop on his team. He hit over 300 for his career. Who on his team went out there and swung his bat for him? But he had the lineup protection there. Okay, he still hit the ball to where the people weren't. Like, he's not a power hitter. He's not going to get walked if he's on the Pirates. I mean, we could be here for another hour if we keep doing this. It's just, my point is... Put him on the Minnesota Twins. He sucks. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Put him on the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's not a Hall of Famer. So your argument is like he's not a Hall of Famer. Like, yes, he is. Not if you put him on those teams. He's not. Because he's not hitting 300. You can't just change everything. You just can't, like, rip apart everything and say he's not. What I'm saying is Cal Ripken's a Hall of Famer. Cal Ripken did it on a team that's not very good. Mike Trout is going to be a Hall of Famer. Mike Trout's doing it on a team that has been to the playoffs one time in his career. They're in the Hall of Fame, too. I don't know. They're all in the Hall of Fame. But Cal Ripken is better. I'm not arguing that, Cal, that he's better than Cal Ripken. What I'm saying but, is I think if you put Derek Jeter in their situation, he's not a Hall of Famer. That's my point. I don't think he's that good. Put Cal this is a poverty in, franchise, the New York Yankees, recently. They're retiring Paul O'Neill. They're putting Paul O'Neill in their legends, the Hall of Legends or whatever, like Legends Park. What a poverty franchise move. If the Orioles ever retire someone of the caliber of Paul O'Neill, I hope the team gets disbanded. Oh, my gosh. Get real. (laughs) Chris Davis will never have his number retired. Let's go. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify so you never miss great topics like that, which is maybe how we should have just done the whole ending. Football playoffs would be uh, (laughs) 12 games. San Jose State. Put them in. What's wrong with that? Um, so until then, folks, be sure to tell us uh, who do you think is going to do well in this high school tournament run? Uh, what do you think of the college basketball tournament? Uh, any of the stuff we talked about on this podcast is fair game. Please comment. Let us know what you think. I don't know, I don't know if I want comments on the Ukraine on our podcast. Okay. Leland doesn't want to hear it. You can send it to me. I'm not, I'm not ready for the back and forth on that. If someone – is disagreeing with me about that situation right now. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready. For I it mean, fair. That. Don't do it in public. Yeah, just DM <laughs> us. Um, but <laughs> we'll deal with it in private. Uh, but until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the X Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.